0: For you, the listeners of my JavaScript story, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at lootcrate.com. Just enter the promo code Bridge10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars and much much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc, then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com/ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com/ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to Tyler Ranelli. Tyler, you want to say hi? Hi, how's it going? Now, uh, we had you on to talk about machine learning not too long ago, and we've had you on some of the other shows. I think we had you on Adventures in Angular to talk about Ionic or something a while back, yep. too. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're not doing, like, the full-time JavaScript Angular thing anymore, but it's still interesting to just dive in and see, okay, you know, you were, you were into JavaScript, you were doing a lot of JavaScript and now you're, you're doing other things. What are they now? And, and what, how, how is that interesting to people?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So what I'm doing these days, is machine learning and artificial intelligence, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. I have a full-time job right now. It's a contract position. I'm a little bit in Uh job limbo right now. Um, uh, (laughs) but yeah, I did the, I did the, Classic story, you know, so, so my my first programming experience would have been like when I was 14 years old playing video games and then I wanted to make video games. And so I started dabbling with C and C++, QBasic and all that. I think this is like yeah. the standard story of a programmer. And then uh, all it through depends. college,
0: it's becoming more and more common. I started another career or graduated from college and couldn't find a job, ran into programming, picked it up, went to a boot camp. Those kinds of things are becoming much more common.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's a very welcoming field, very high pay, very easy to tap yeah. into by comparison to other fields. I'm always, I'm, I'm like a, I think, kind of my like, who I am is as as known in any community in the JavaScript community, or whatever is is as an evangelist, a loudmouth, uh-huh. and I think that's probably why you've had me on various podcasts. So now I'm a loudmouth about machine learning. At one point, I was a loudmouth about Angular. Yep. Um, but that's one of the things I. I loudmouth about a lot is people should become programmers. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they're, you know, if they're hating their field or if it's just not cutting it financially, if they graduated in something that's tough to crack into, like, you know, politics and English and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we see a lot of people coming into the field and they're just, they're thriving. They're making a lot of money. They're, you know, having, having a lot of fun learning it pretty easily.
0: Well, then we have space for them too, right? There are companies looking for people all over the place.
1: Yes. Yep. It's a thirsty industry. Yep.
0: But Um, but anyway, you were saying that you, uh, so you got in, you were um, writing games, Q Basic at 14?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it would have been C and C++ then eventually kind of like started dabbling with Q and Q basic, and then, you know, eventually DirectX comes out. Uh, So I went to college for uh, computer science. I wanted to make video games like complete 100%. That was my goal. Um, By the time I was a senior and I was still like dabbling C++ C, C++ and DirectX OpenGL in the background while I was working on my computer science degree, um, the way, you know, the way I was paying for college was as a web developer. Um, and this was the early days, so it would have been PHP and ASP. Yeah, before .NET, so just ASP, ASP and PHP, um, and MySQL. So that was how I was kind of paying for college was as a web developer, um, and. More and more of my friends started to crack into the gaming industry and would report back with their stories. And it just sounded like a living nightmare. Um, The the amount of hours they work, the the amount to which they're just pigeonholed into one tiny siloed box, working on some widget of the game and not being not really contributing to the grand picture unless they're working for a very small game studio. Um, So like just through osmosis, I slow, my smile slowly became a frown. And I was like, you know, I'm going to stick to this web development stuff. It's real easy, pays real well. (laughs) And so then that's, that turned into Drupal. So I graduated and, you know, I started, I was doing ASP and PHP and I was like, um, you know, content management systems started to become popular. So WordPress, Drupal, um, but it was still kind of a a big battle at the time. So there was, um, Joomla was a contender and then SharePoint point was kind of p- uh positioning itself as a content management system and there's a there's a few others uh uh F- Zope or Flope or something by python <laughs> um and i just picked drupal because it seemed like the most kind of flexible i think it's the most programmer friendly in my opinion um wordpress is a little bit m- like the more designer friendly and i think drupal is more like um tech tech head friendly and uh and i don't know they just evolved i i did drupal and this um uh, somehow kind of went back to web development focusing on the front end i i went into you know just st- standard jquery front end development and then that became backbone that became angular um a a foray into derby js which is a now defunct competitor to meteor js um and then eventually react and that's where we all are here now right except for uh-huh. the view the view people <laughs>
0: Well, yep. And, and the Angular people. They're still out there.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's 4.0 now, is it?
0: It's 5.0
1: now. Ah, oh, man. They're going fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just interesting. You know, we all, we all kind of come through the various technologies, depending on how long you've been out there in the field. And it's also interesting. I talk to a lot of newer people, and they're talking about React like it's it. And... You know, I'm I'm sitting here going. You know, I've been around long enough to know that React's not it. You know, another few years, something else is going to be the it.
1: And uh, do you know though? Th- think about how long we've been with React. It's only been maybe two or three years, but that is that's nuts. a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe something stuck here that we've been like we had growing pains. It was like our teenage years that you and I grew through, mm. and maybe we actually reached adulthood and knew what we wanted to become when we grew up. And that's React.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, at the same time, you know, we, we've seen people move back-end technologies. I mean, I've seen companies go from, you know, some PHP or Java back-end to Ruby on Rails. And Ruby on Rails was the it for them and for a large portion of the the community writing new apps for, you know, three, four, five years. You know, it, it was kind of the darling in Silicon Valley. You know, you, you start up a startup and that, that was what you went with. You know, and now a lot of them are moving into Node.js or um, I'm seeing a little bit more movement toward like Phoenix and Elixir. And That's so, right. you know, uh, unless the the rate is rapidly accelerating, you know, uh, yeah, but it could be. I mean, it, it it could continue to innovate and solve problems the way that people want them solved for long enough to to hang in there and just kind of be the thing that people use. And then maybe we just build on top of it instead of moving away from it.
1: Yeah. And at the very least, it's given us a little bit of a respite from all that chaos. Yeah. Um, A little bit of a break to sit with something before having to learn the next big thing and stay relevant in the job market.
0: Yeah. The other thing that I I do like about React that it has pushed the envelope in a few ways, Um, you know, Angular came out and it was awesome for writing apps um but then react came out and they solved a lot of these problems with the virtual dom uh componentizing the way the ui you know there were a handful of of things that they did that just changed the landscape of how you think about web apps that were really 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 nice and then you saw angular pick them up and then you saw Vue come out and adopt a lot of them and it's kind of the way that it is now and so it's 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 done a lot to advance the state of the art and it's exciting to see, okay, what are we going to come up with next? And I think that's really what's going to drive it is whatever the next big innovation is going to be on the front end, um, if React can manage to do it themselves or have it happen within their ecosystem, then they'll remain relevant. But if somebody else comes along and creates something else that does have all of the nice things about the current state of the art plus whatever that next innovation is that makes things even better, you know, people will begin to move on to that. And I'm seeing a lot of people move over to Vue, um, Mm -hmm. both from React and from Angular. And so it's really interesting to see, okay, you know, these are kind of incumbent technologies that have large communities and yet people are still moving off to the, you know, because Vue has something that they they want that the others don't. Mm Mm-hmm
1: yeah I, i've yet to play with Vue, and i i want to very badly but exactly that i've seen all these people move over yeah. and i'm like what's what's the shininess tell me without making me do it
0: yeah well and uh to be perfectly honest joe eames and i are talking about starting a view podcast there you so, go um by the time this is released i'll probably have an indiegogo out there for it um and I'll, i'm just gonna set the the goal for it low enough to cover basically the production costs for the first three to six months. And then after that, you know, I should be able to find sponsors to to cover the costs after that. Nice. But, uh, you know, if, if people are interested in it, then, uh, you know, go jump in on it and we'll, we'll make it worth your while to support it.
1: You're always good at getting in early and kind of setting like a, a you know, established name in the space too. I'm sure it'll succeed.
0: Yeah, well, I I didn't do that with React. I'm that's the other show that I'm looking at starting here soon. So, uh-huh. But yeah. Um and yeah, I'm that's what I'm looking at at this point is yeah, starting these shows once a technology gets to the point where it looks like it's going to continue to grow and gain popularity and yeah, kind of be in there at that point. I mean, um Ruby Rogues and JavaScript Jabber both hit at about that right time. Um, Adventures in Angular, I probably should have started. But, you know, I didn't even think about it. Joe and Merrick and Aaron pushed me to start that one. Um, You know, we were probably a year later than we could have been on that one. And then, yeah, it, you know, React and Angular. I just wasn't looking at starting new shows. And now I'm looking at it and going, you know what, this is what people want. This is where they're at. And so...
1: Yeah. Plus you have that the the all JavaScript kind of uh, combo podcast. Yeah. Um, I, do. I I like that setup too because then people don't have, you know, I wouldn't personally listen to, you know, maybe this because I'm focused on this other technology. So people can pick and choose. They can either be abreast to the whole way of the land or they can, you know, stick to their rabbit hole. Yep.
0: Yeah, it's 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 fun. And when I created that feed, I actually just took the JavaScript Jabber feed and uh, just renamed it, <laughs> so that I could keep everything in that feed. And oh, then, nice. if you just want, if you just want JavaScript Jabber, then you could go and just get a JavaScript Jabber only feed or my JS story only feed. You know, so if you're if you're only interested in one of the segments, then that's fine.
1: Well, uh, segue into the new chapter of my life, talking about creating podcasts. You were interested in creating a, a machine learning podcast, weren't you?
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about it, and I've I've gotten some interest. Um, I have a few companies that would sponsor one, but um, I just it's not at the top of my list. I'm not having a lot of people ask for one. I, mm. I'm pretty sure that it would be popular, but I'm you know React and Vue and Elixir are the ones that I'm getting asked for the most. So I figured ah. I'd start those first.
1: Interesting. Well, I ha- I have a podcast, uh, a machine learning guide. So Sweet. I've got a podcast. It's about thirty episodes. Maybe we'll have to like coordinate it at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah so that's yeah segue is the that I switched off of switched away from javascript completely about 3 years ago into the world of machine learning a totally different you know type of tech um and draw there was so so kind of in retrospect, the draw now looking back is that it's very, you know, it's very popular. It's got a very promising kind of career future. Um, and a lot lots of companies now are looking for data scientists. And, yeah, I just think it's kind of the way of the future for programmers. But back then, like back when I chose it, I had none of that in mind. Um, I watched the movie. Uh, what's it called? Ex Machina. Uh-huh. The AI movie and it like all the so all the like robot flicks, you know, AI movies that I'd ever seen were just really sci-fi ish Terminator and, you know, like all the Marvel movies and stuff. Oh, yeah, and so it was all just for fun. It's it's kind of like aliens, AI and aliens. They kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, um, It's
0: kind of funny because they essentially take AI and create a character out of it. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. They always make it this this killer bad guy. Yeah.
0: Uh, Or, or I mean, even, you know, you, you tone it back a little bit and you have Jarvis, you know, who's the AI assistant for Tony Stark. Right. But, but he's still a personality. He's a character. Right. (laughs) And he has a voice and, you know, things like that. And I, yeah, I don't know if, if AI is necessarily that or, you know, I think eventually we'll get general AIs that are to that point, but. I mean, mostly we're, we're talking about other things that are much more specialized.
1: Super specialized. So that's like, that's machine learning. Yeah, so that's that's the machine learning spin on it is specialization of AI, specialized application of AI. Yeah. So yeah, so I looked, I watched that movie and I was like, that actually felt a little real, uh, you know, very, un, very different from my experience in watching AI flicks. And so uh-huh. I did a lot of research, just Wikipedia, went down a rabbit hole, read some books, and I realized, holy crap, like AI is a very legitimate thing. We are very... You know, fast on the cusp of developing, you know, just groundbreaking AI technology, almost akin to the sci fi movies we've seen. And so the, the career choice there I saw is called machine learning. And like you were saying, machine learning is like the specialized spin of AI. AI is the all-encompassing term. It means everything from nuts to bolts. And mm-hmm. generally when people say AI, they mean artificial general intelligence, which is some, you know, like basically a humanoid, humanoid robot or a Jarvis that can think or do anything a human can do as good if not better. But um, that's what people generally think of when they hear the term AI. But that's a GI, artificial general intelligence standard AI is generally, um, uh, specialized. So like self-driving cars, that's actually AI, but it's just specialized to its particular task. And if you, you know, use the word AI kind of, um, with friends and family tends to be an industry when you, you position yourself as a professional, you're talking about machine learning, which is a, uh, Kind of a a sub branch of AI. It's a field inside Mm -hmm. of AI that focuses on the on the learning component. But it turns out that that may be the most important component of AI because machine learning, the field, has been subsuming the other fields in AI. So, like once once upon a time, image. image classification recognition right. all the field of computer vision was a dedicated silo within AI. Now it is now it is owned. It was like acquired by machine learning. Now, machine, you know, the technology you use for image recognition is machine learning. Same with natural language processing. It once was its own field in AI. Now it is a field in machine learning. So machine learning is this bubble inside of the bubble of AI that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger until maybe one day it consumes all of AI and machine learning and AI become synonymous terms. But if you're you know, interested in AI as a professional, how can I tap into the industry? It's machine learning that you go for. Um, and machine learning is, yeah, like I said, just the capability of a computer to learn whatever the task mm-hmm. may be. And that's that specialized vertical component of it. It's learning how to drive or it's learning right. how to recognize image or is learning how to speak. And that's Siri. Siri and, you know, and Google Assistant are all natural language processing mm-hmm. um, machine learning components. NLP is a whole field within machine learning. Yep. Um and so you kind of you tend to, you know, you you enter the field, you learn all the machine learning from nuts to bolts, uh the various uh subfields of AI and then you kind of you generally pick one and you stick with it because they all tend to be very very so so highly focused and specialized that it's like a whole world of stuff to learn in its own little field. So if you choose NLP, you know, you kind of stick with NLP f- at least for a bit, mm-hmm. get a job in NLP focus on all that stuff, but it's a, it's a very different experience. I graduated with a computer science degree. I never used a lick of it as a web developer (laughs) and a a mobile app developer. In fact, I was like for a while there and I'm kind of like regretting that I did this. I I resented my degree so bad because I, because like we said at the beginning of this episode, people are coming in from whatever field philosophy, English, political science um, and then they become a programmer and these guys are, you know, just as good of a programmer as I am. And I'm like, I could have studied anything I want. I could have studied philosophy. I love philosophy. And I, you know, <laughs> round my gears on computer science right. and became, you know, became no better for it because I'm not, I mean, even a freaking binary search, like the most fundamental algorithm never used that in the wild, but, uh, computer, uh, uh machine learning and artificial intelligence is true blue computer science. So that, that, uh, degree will come back. And, you know, it'll be like riding a bicycle when you get back into machine Mm -hmm. learning, true blue computer science and mathematics. It's statistics, calculus, and linear algebra. So math and and CS and that that's so it's a very different experience than learning web development and mobile development. Um, these days, it's getting easier and easier. These frameworks are coming out. One, a very popular one is called TensorFlow. That's by Google. Yep. It's, it's the Angular of machine learning. And another popular one is called PyTorch by Facebook. So it's the React of machine learning. And <laughs> they're doing it again. They're
0: fighting again.
1: Um,
0: I like the way you put
1: that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and right now, everybody goes with uh, TensorFlow. I'm, I'm doing TensorFlow. And um, everybody's got this, this eye like like looking behind them and seeing PyTorch running as fast as it can to catch up. Yeah. Uh, so who knows what the next year will be technologically. But these frameworks are just like React and Angular in that they like shield you from the underlying math to a substantial degree. So you actually – you could tap into the industry without having a whole lot of the fundamentals. But it is – it's not quite recommended to do that. Um. um you know, people will – kind of argue back and forth, whether you should tap into web development without having the fundamentals, computer science, or even like JavaScript fundamentals, like how closures work and stuff. Some people say, Mm -hmm. no, you should study the fundamentals. And some people say, like myself say, yes, start making a website, you know, get kind of, uh, you know, get the taste in your mouth so, so you enjoy the experience, you feel like you're doing something and you can actually maybe even make, make a buck. And then you go back to the fundamentals and get better at, at your craft. Cause you might burn out starting from the basics, working your way up before you get to the, before you get up there. It's, it's kind of a debate that goes back and forth in web development, like uh, top down or bottom up. Um, but in, in machine learning, it seems that, uh, the best approach is bottom up. And so it can, it can be a grueling learning experience, um, you need the math and you need the computer science, but it's, but it's very rewarding. And the, you know, the payoff is that you're contributing to the, you know, the grand human picture of artificial intelligence, um, like participating in that space. Um, and it's, it's very interesting. Like, uh, I, I this is like my catchphrase I, uh-huh. I spend a lot of, uh, time, you know, I, I like on stack overflow, looking up specific mathematical equations for something in NLP. And like, it's so easy to accidentally go down the rabbit hole of are robots conscious just by clicking links. I mean, that's like, that's how philosophical this field is. Um, so it's in that way, it's rewarding to me. It's, it's more than just making websites for, you know, for a mom and pop pizza shop. It's, am I contributing to something substantial?
0: It's it's good to hear that, too, just from the standpoint of the computer science degree. I have a brother that's um, getting a degree in computer science right now. And, uh, you know, he keeps coming to me and going, so am I ever going to use this? And I'm like, well, most of the people I talk to, they use it in the interview to get the job. Yep. <laughs> and that's about it. And uh, so it's it's gratifying to know that some of this stuff that was mostly purely academic is actually going to, you know, come into play as far as how you do things. And I've talked to um I've gotten to know um Kyle Pollage um who does a podcast on data science called Data Skeptic. Yeah, it's a good one. And he talks a lot about a lot of these algorithms and uh big O and things like that and it 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 makes sense that a lot of these things that, you know, for web development only come into play when your request time is too high or, um, you know, for the most part, you're not really doing algorithms. You're just, you know, arranging data in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, you, these machine learning systems where you're pushing thousands or millions or billions of records through them the performance becomes very important. And a lot of these things that were theoretical um, such as algorithm design and proving algorithms work the way that you expect them to and things like that, you know, they they come back to, um, to to a lot of the things that you learn as a computer science major. I was a computer engineering major, so I didn't have to take all of the classes that they did, but uh, even still, you know, so a lot of the discrete mathematics and things like that, it, it, it plays a bigger role because you're talking about a completely different system that has to care about a lot of these things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, performance is a huge... So uh, the different... You know, I, I've never... But like as a programmer, web developer, uh, mobile developer, I've had my MacBook Pro 2012 edition since 2012. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe would pop onto somebody else's computer and run some stuff or just be on like a public terminal and run some stuff, mobile mobile phone. Performance, like I felt like performance was a done thing. We are not one to think of that anymore. Um, like the difference in performance from one device to the next was not that big of a deal even as a developer. It, mm-hmm. You know, it yeah. is a little bit, but... In machine learning, um, just like you said, so so image recognition is one of the most taxing uh, of the machine learning tasks. And it, like without getting the technical details, the algorithm is called a convolutional neural network, and it combines all the pixels with every other which pixel for every layer of the neural network, and it does a mathematical computation at each of those nodes. So you can get into like the order of billions of calculations. Mm-hmm. You have to have a GPU these days because uh, a GPU specifically had to have an NVIDIA graphics card. They have a a library called CUDA, which AMD doesn't support, that allows you to run these machine learning computations on all their cores. And, uh, you know, a graphics card would have I don't even I'm probably way off on the number here, but maybe like 2000 cores or something like that, where a computer Mm -hmm. has eight cores at best. And so you have to have a graphics card, one. And two, you have to parallelize the computations to all the cores. And that's what a framework like TensorFlow will do for you. So you have to have that kind of handled for you. And this will bring down your computing time from you know four days to one hour. Like it's, it's just such an order of magnitude jump um, from one to the other. So you care very deeply about performance on the software and algorithm side, And on the hardware side so a lot of machine learning engineers are very well well versed on graphics cards and and you know aws um instance types and all that stuff the the pot that aws just released uh i think it's called the v100 the i can't remember the name of the graph they just released instances with a very very powerful graphics card I think it's the best you can get on the market right now, and it's like three times as fast as the 1080 Ti, oh, wow. which was the prior most fast graphics card. <laughs> um, and so, and it's got, uh, it has like twice as much built on, you know, built-in RAM on the graphics card itself. And so, I, I had my desktop, and I'm going to sell it now because I'm going to switch over to this. <laughs> <laughs> nice, it's so, it's so much faster. And, yeah. and of course, you know, I could use my Mac and. SSH in anywhere and manage it from there.
0: Yeah. Now I, I kind of want to get back to the story. You know, we've talked about machine learning on JavaScript Jabber. We'll put a link to that in the the show notes. And I, I like to geek out about it too. That's why we went off on this big long tangent. <laughs> it's because I <laughs> didn't stop Tyler from from tangenting, <laughs> and that's fine um, <laughs> because it's cool. It's fun. Um, uh, but uh, what was it? I mean, what was it about machine learning? Was it the problem set? Was it that it was real computer science? No,
1: it was the mystique. It was the mystique. It was honestly, it was watching that movie and thinking, holy, holy crap. Is that how close we are to achieving this, this thing, this robot that like tricks her, her trainer guy and then walks out of like, is that, is that a reality or is that sci-fi? Like I said, all the movies I'd watched prior to that were 100% sci-fi and this one was bordering on, you know, too close to home in the technology. Um, and I did a lot of research and I came to the conclusion that we are very, very close to achieving, you know, some real sci-fi crap coming up here. Um, so it was, it was the, uh, the, ins- the inspiration, the mystique of it all sort of, um, I, I listened to this, uh, I've, I've recommended it on a prior episode of yours, a great courses, course uh, all about, um the philosophy of consciousness, you know, starting with Rene Descartes and all the way to mm-hmm. the, the latest and greatest in AI by modern technologists. Um, you know, it was like a 24-hour course and, it, you know, taught, taught by a PhD, a legitimate university course. And it's saying that basically we still don't know whether machines can achieve consciousness. And there, you know, it's kind of a 50-50 split by um, right. by very, very prestigious researchers in cognitive science. I mean, it's, it's really not as sci-fi as, as people think, you, you know, if you yeah. ask somebody, do you think a machine will be conscious like, no, of course not. And then you get into the, to the academics of it and you really start to second guess and you think, Oh, oh my God, this might be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it felt like a much more rewarding field to be, right. to be involved with.
0: Yeah, and it's it's an interesting question too because then you get into what is consciousness, what is, exact. you know, is if it, if it has consciousness. I I heard a snippet of an interview by I think it was Larry Page, where somebody was talking to him about AI and basically said, well, you know, what what makes us human? And he said consciousness. And then they asked him about AI uh, a, a minute or so later, and he was dismissive of it. You know, even if it achieved consciousness that it wouldn't really be life or you know, whatever, you know, and that all living things have some level of consciousness, right? Um, you know, your your dog has some level of consciousness, grass has some level of consciousness. I mean it's it's really low for grass, but it's <laughs> you know, it's there, right? Um, because it, it it you know, it 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 has a cycle that it follows, you know, and it's you know, it's basically innate and programmed for them you know, but you get to higher order mammals and, you know, they, they tend to do things that may not always make sense, but at the same time, you know, you can tell that they're reasoning about it. Yep. And yeah, it's like, okay, so what level is it alive? And, you know, it, with machine learning, will it ever be more than an approximation of consciousness? But then how can you tell? You know, you get into the whole Turing test and it gets really interesting.
1: That's exactly it. You can't, you can't, it's, it's sort of like a, like the NP, NP complete stuff. There are, you know, algorithms which are impossible to compute. This may Uh be one of those questions that is impossible to answer. Um, just due to the very nature of it being a, you know, consciousness as a subjective experience, you can only be, you know, the person who's experiencing the experience can know that he has experienced the experience and nobody else can they can only guess because he says he did and that's the turing test if it if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck it's a duck if it if it says it's conscious and it, and it can sufficiently convince you then there's no reason to believe otherwise but yeah there's 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 a lot you know that sounds kind of very dismissive and and silly but there's like a lot more to it than that and these guys get into some like mathematical proofs and it's it's so yeah. fun um. There's a thing called the computational theory of mind and a sub theory within that called the information, uh, integrated information theory. And those two to me are the most compelling takes on consciousness. And kind of the idea goes that the the, the kind of the crux of it is that like, so we as when we talk about consciousness and we have to define it we we say, well clearly there's two distinct things at play that people are thinking about they're thinking about intelligence, which is simply the capacity to think things through like uh, a computer by that definition is intelligent it can it can compute it can it can do smart things like calculate you know pi to the nth degree um, but then there's consciousness, and then we have to define how that's separate from intelligence and there's all these components to it they say there's um there's perception and memory and, um, and, and all those things. And the, the, the few bits that people tend to latch onto is, is self-awareness, self-identity. That's something people send tends to associate with consciousness and are, it's unclear whether AI can, you know, achieve that. Um, there's emotions, which in my opinion is not e- like, it's not even, I don't, I don't see why that would be a component of consciousness. It's to me, emotion is like a reinforcement learning um, mechanism for, you know, uh, for avoiding or going towards, you know, rewards or punishment and stuff. So like love. Yes. Anyway, that's that's a whole nother thing. And then finally, like the 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 like the crux of what most philosophers believe is what True consciousness is the the lights are on. Something's on upstairs. Like you're actually experiencing what you're seeing. You're not just computing the visuals. You're actually experiencing the seeing of the visuals. It's called qualia or subjective experience or subjective awareness. But um, I always just call it the lights are on. And so that's the big question is, will the robots have that experience? Mm-hmm. Will they have qualia? Right. And that's the thing we could never know. Like it's just mathematically impossible to know. And that's why we have the Turing test. Um, so it's it's just fun. It's fun stuff. But that that plus uh, there's, you know, there was kind of a study recently that said what has been the the biggest contributor the biggest contributor to uh, um, what's what's the word I'm looking for like quality of life in humanity in general what ha, what have been the biggest contributors to humanity's quality quality of life mm-hmm. and you know although you know of course civil rights would be like one major thing and like reduction of warfare internationally and like um, uh, whatever else like the the, the amount the amount of food available due to the industrial revolution and all that stuff. And the the, the biggest winner by the study was technology. Technology has improved human, humanity's quality of life more than anything else in human history. And that makes sense because I said like food on the table is one aspect. Well, how do we get food on the table? It's by farms and farming equipment and the industrial mm-hmm. revolution and trucks delivering them to a grocery store and the yep. grocery store has refrigeration and blah, blah, blah. And you just spiral that you know like every every step kind of improve every step of technological growth improves humanity's life bit by bit by bit um they talk about all there's a big fear about the job displacement that is about to happen due to automation through artificial intelligence but this has been going on since the dawn of of, uh, technology. It happened in the, in the industrial revolution. You know, people had to, you know, a lot fewer people are now farmers, but a lot more people are now web developers and they're mm-hmm. making more money and working yep. fewer hours. So new jobs are created while old jobs are displaced and we live like fatter Kings day by day. Um, and so that's, that's the idea that technology is the biggest contributor to uh, human quality of life. And to me, what's about to throw down in the space of AI with self-driving cars saving millions and millions of lives with, you know, robot surgeons and like it's really going to affect the medical industry. They're already kind of replacing like X-ray scans with this uh, computer vision technology, detecting a cancer in some scan that with 99.9% accuracy and stuff. So it's really going to affect the medical industry. Um, So that's, yeah, it's, it feels like you're doing something, something bigger than, like I said, making websites. Right.
0: Cool. It was a long answer, but it was, it was interesting to kind of hear the thought process there. Sorry about that. No, no, it's all good. Um, What are you working on now?
1: Um, So I'm, I'm working for, I'm doing a contract for a company called OAG Analytics. Actually, right now I'm just working on D3, Uh uh, D3. D3JS and React, doing some visualization on the front. Right. Um, eventually going to work on a back-end piece. It's called Bayesian optimization. So, uh-huh. s- statistics plays into machine learning in right. a very huge way. I'm also working on a side project, a Bitcoin trading bot. Um, and that's using reinforcement learning, which is the, kind of the closest to the metal you can get taking machine learning into right. AI. Like, j- actually going through the door and stepping out of machine learning and into AI territory. Um so that's a lot of fun. Reinforcement learning. There's a framework called TensorForce that I'm using for that. It's like React for AI. Nice. And that's that. Always cool. always looking for a good job in machine learning. <laughs> if any of your listeners are hiring.
0: <laughs> Definitely. We'll we'll get the word out. Cool. And add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash javascriptjabber. Cool. Um, So you've been on the show. You know what? Pixar and how they work are there things you want to shout out about
1: yeah so i've i think i've mentioned two great courses courses on your on all of your episodes collectively and so at this at this point i'm just going to recommend the great courses which is where i get a lot of my knowledge it's a it's a um just it's just a courses website but you know it's kind of like lynda.com or uh Um, you know, all those things, but it's, it's for general stuff, philosophy and mathematics and all that stuff. I usually convert them from video to audio and I just throw it on my iPod and listen because they do a really good job of like describing the visuals that you're seeing. So that's actually like I'm doing calculus and stats and consciousness and, uh, um, information theory is actually a huge branch of mathematics contributing to AI information theory, Claude Shannon and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm just going to generally recommend the great courses.
0: Very cool. Um, I have to come up with more and more picks because I've been doing more and more of these episodes and I'm I'm not quite sure what to pick here. Um, one thing that I guess I'll uh, shout out about, uh, this will probably come out a week or so before I go to CES in Las Vegas. And um, so I'm just going to give a quick rundown on how I do CES. Um, and I've, I've kind of gotten better at it over the years. Initially I went and I just kind of walked through the floor to see what was going on. Um, but as time gone has gone on, I tend to do a little bit more stuff. So one of the things that I do, and I do this for a lot of conferences. So if you attend conferences, uh, definitely take a this, at least this tactic out of the book. Um, if there's somebody, you know, is going to be there that you would like to meet, uh, email them beforehand and set up an appointment. Um, so I've been doing this with some of the companies that are Uh, putting out products that I think will be interesting to all of you uh, in the audience. Um, I think it'll also be interesting to see where uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence come in this year. Um, You could find it last year. I think it's going to be much more up front and center this year. So that should be really interesting just to see. Um, In fact, Tyler, where do you think we're going to be seeing AI? At, at places like CES, you know, where people are coming out with what they're working on and talking about the the latest and greatest stuff that they're working on that probably won't go public until later next year or the year after?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. So I don't know. So it's just a lot of stuff. It's a lot of very fast moving. Everybody's working on something different. I don't know if you've seen the uh, Atlas robot doing backflips on YouTube recently. Uh-uh. So, you know, there's a uh, Boston Dynamics was bought by SoftBank, a Japanese robotics company. And they're the at the, the forefront of robotics now. They're the leader, I feel, in the industry. And the, yesteryear, they were walking through the forest. There was like a mule version and then there was a humanoid version. And they got both to like walk through the forest. And they were kind of stumbling along. They looked like drunk people. Um, and this year, they have it doing like CrossFit in a gym. And then it like gets on this giant prop and it does a backflip and it's a a robot the size of a human, bigger than a human. Um, So we're going to see some cool stuff in robotics. There's obviously self-driving cars, but that's old news Mm -hmm. at this point. So I don't think we'll see a lot of that. Um, I think there's going to be just a lot of software automation. I think the thing to keep an eye out for as a a web developer and mobile developer is the amount of automation that's going to kind of hit sideswipe you real fast from the space of machine learning. But I don't know how it's going to come in because um, we, there's a, you know, Wix has a, a AI driven design designer kind of template template system. Oh, interesting. And, uh, the grid is an AI driven, uh, web, like website builder system. But both of those have been around for like two or three years now, and we haven't really seen much coming, coming out of it. So it's, it's hard to tell when this is going to finally start showing fruit, um, And how if it's going to like augment web development jobs or if it's going to replace them? Um, So it's you know the sky's the limit at CES. There's no there's no telling what will come out and pike.
0: Nice. Well, I'll I'll definitely uh, have a look and we'll report back. Cool. Um, But yeah, so the other thing that I do the hotel rooms in Las Vegas they've got a zillion of them on the Strip and the the majority of CES is in the Las Vegas Convention Center and at the Sands Convention Center. Uh, they have them in other buildings too, but um, the Sands Convention Center is attached to Venetian, which is right on the Strip. And uh, anyway, getting a hotel room um, once they announce the dates, you, you have about a week or two before the the rates for rooms just go through the roof. And so, what I've done the last uh, last year and this year is uh, I actually went on Airbnb last year and that kind of backfired on me. But this year I went on VRBO, which is the vacation rental um, website. And I found a place for, I think it was like $400 for the whole week or something. Nice. Uh, The room rates at this point, if you wanted to get a room in Las Vegas um, during that week, they're going to be like $500 a night. So um, I wind up saving quite a bit of money that way. And then the other trick that I've learned is um, if you go park at the Venetian, um, which is probably the easiest place to get in if you're going to park at one of the buildings that has the the show in it, um, it'll take you an hour to get back out of the parking structure uh, at the end of the, the show each day. And so what I tend to do is I tend to park nearby at like Treasure Island or one of the other uh, casinos that are nearby because most of their parking won't fill up. And a lot of that parking's free. And it, you know, they're not checking to see if you're in their casino. So you can leave your car there all day. Um, And so I I usually just park and then walk. Um, And the strip is fairly walkable. So um, that all works out that way. Um, Just throwing that out there if anyone's going to be at CES. And if you're listening to this, and you're going to be at CES, email me and let me know because I would love to meet up with people and Um, You know, just see what what you're there for, whether you're exhibiting or whether you're actually there checking out the other tech. Um, One funny story that I'll put out there about CES. um, I know. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of picking the fun times that I have in Las Vegas during CES. But uh, I was walking through the show floor at one point. Um, This was like two or three years ago. And, um, you know, just checking out the technologies and I felt somebody grab my arm and I looked over and it turned out it was AJ O'Neill, who's one of my co-hosts for JavaScript Jabber. Um, The startup that he's been working on for the last few years, Daply, was there exhibiting and I just happened to walk by their booth. Hmm. And so um, you never know who you're going to run into there. But uh, terrific uh, companies there. I had a good time last year talking to the folks, for example, from Autonomous, autonomous autonomous.ai or autonomous.com. Uh, They have, speaking of artificial intelligence, um, of course, I think this is mostly machine learning training that's built into their desks, um, but it'll pick up on your patterns for sitting and standing on their sit-stand desks, and then it'll start to adjust for you, uh, which is kind of interesting, and they've got all these nice little features built into their desks, so... If you get the one with all the bells and whistles, it comes with the AI built in. And then it also has like a Bluetooth speaker and wireless charging for your phone and a whole bunch of other stuff, which are really cool desks. So I guess I'll pick those two. Um, Last year, they wound up with kind of a weird um, triangle shaped spot right at the entrance uh, in Sands Convention Center. And so, yeah, it was nice to just, I just walked in and chatted with them and they were, you know, they were Plenty uh, interesting to talk to and they had their, they had like a Raspberry Pi or something set up to coordinate desks so they would move up and down in different patterns (laughs) and stuff, which was kind of fun. And they had this weird shape, but that was fine. They just filled it with desks and then talked to people. So anyway, (laughs) um, so yeah, lots of fun stuff um, and definitely looking forward to connecting with folks. Um, But yeah, that's what I got. So I know I just kind of rambled, but... Hey, that's what you get. Um, now, one last thing, Tyler. If people want to get a hold of you, you mentioned maybe people want to hire you. Uh, what What are the best ways to do that?
1: Yeah, just just Google my name, Tyler Renelli, R-E-N-E-L-L-E. I think there's only one in the world, actually, at least that's on the internet. Um, or my LinkedIn profile would be the place to be to go. Uh, I'm pretty inactive on Twitter, um, and then my my yeah, so my LinkedIn profile.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, um, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up then. Thanks for coming, Tyler. Thank you. All right. We will uh, catch everybody next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.